0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. In our podcast, we share stories of contemporary art and culture. Today is January 27, 2021. One week ago, we inaugurated new leaders in the United States, Many hope that President Joseph Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will cultivate an era of unity, democracy, and truth in this country. Multiple flashpoints complicated the year 2020. The relentless coronavirus pandemic, accelerating discrimination against people of color, heightened climate emergencies, and the imploding global economy had an intense polarizing effect on the electorate. Kamala Harris, the first African American and Asian American to become vice president, is also the first woman to be given this tremendous opportunity. As she steps into a crucial role of responsibility, Harris inspires this episode. What part can creativity play in such turbulent times, we speak to six women artists and curators responding to the challenges of the past year with renewed resolve. Strengthening their engagement with vital issues and ideas, each one positions herself in service to social justice.
1: Gathering the reeds. What is a a line that
2: start and end in, this, in the point of origin. And as it repeats itself, it becomes a spiral, this moving like a tornado.
0: Born in Cuba and based in Nashville, Maria Magdalena Campos Ponce, teaches at Vanderbilt University. A dream led her to invite collaborators to celebrate all that Kamala Harris represents. Performance and poetry in the new art film, When We Gather, embody their collective hope and imagination. It comes to me out of um,
2: years and years and years of focusing in my work about the role of women the place of women in history, the potentiality of women in history. It really came across to me in the moment in which we got the votes. This is going to be the first women ever rise to this level of, of visibility. Here you have this incredible breaking down of all the so called barriers. So I dream of a performance piece in which hundreds or thousands of women were dancing. Around the White House. I saw this dream in such a pristine way. Women in circle speaking and chanting, and I see myself in it. I see other women that I recognize, our bodies and what we're doing. I said it was no an image that I create, it was a gifted image. I immediately went into making. I wrote it down and then I called my two friends artists and I said to them, guys, we need to do it now. And we start thinking about how do we call women to go to Washington to do this performance? We made them realize we are in pandemic. This is impossible. Then is the idea of making a short film. The dream that I saw is very much related with Yoruba's tradition. To see many women in white, to see women dancing in a circle, we see that in Yoruba tradition. The circularity is both physical enacted but also metaphorical. We could move from one culture to another, from one woman to another, from one color to another and see it in different way, the same gesture.
0: Considering all that has happened in the last four years, I love the notion that this circle of women will be cleansing the space (laughs) in which the government will be operating and preparing a path for the future.
2: This tradition is about betterment and healing and unity and stay together, do good things together. Watch for the betterment of the person next to you and extend a hand to it. In my mind, all the women that I have seen in this continuum of service and working non-stop without complaining, always with a smile, always with a disposition that, yes, it could be done. And in some way, I think Kamala represents that. But I also want to refer to the resilience, the capacity of reinvention, the capacity of beginnings that is typical and inherited to all immigrants. A daughter of an immigrant, Coming all the way from India to California, young mother, and then becoming this incredible source of inspiration and power. That narrative only happens in the United States of America. And it's what made this country so unique, so rich, so powerful and beautiful. And that is worth trying to preserve and to enhance and to fight for
1: this work that's sullied means more work. Thus, whisper gingerly, like cedar, like pine, on all moments.
0: Dr. Andrea Fatona is a Toronto based curator and scholar who teaches in the graduate program at Ontario College of Art and Design University. For decades, Fatona has sought to remedy the absence of Black visual art from critical writing, art archives, and other avenues of representation. In this new year,
1: given what we've been through and what seems to be ahead of us in terms of racism globally, my commitment is to continue the work I do, which is to insist on the presence of Black cultural production within the space of Canada and to ensure that the work that has been done in the past and continues to be done in terms of black cultural producers and black folks in general, insisting on their humanity, insisting on their creativity, and continue to frame the work I do within constructs that exist outside of a Euro white supremacist framework.
0: You have... A project going on that you have received recognition for and that holds a very important place in Canada.
1: The goal of the project is to provide visibility and access to the works of contemporary Black artists, craftspeople, curators, and critics in Canada. They have been erased from the imaginary of Canadian visual culture. The project has two components. One's called recoding Black Canada, and the other component is called the State of Blackness Platform. We were
3: forced to come to this land, this Mi'kmaq land, cradled
0: on the waves of the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Whitewash, Nadine Valsin's performance video about the history of slavery in Canada, is featured on the State of Blackness website.
1: The project seeks to collect these works, to digitize the works, and to also think about and create new metadata or new categories for describing the works that come out of an encounter and an engagement with Black people. It is a huge and really ambitious project. I think there are things to be learned in different spaces and geographies of Canada in terms of how Blackness is articulated, how Blackness is produced. That requires time for us as researchers to understand and also form relations with those folks and institutions who own the material.
0: What question do you hope to answer with this project?
1: A question that enables our learning is how can we produce new and innovative cataloging, dissemination, and pedagogical strategies to effectively position Black cultural production within discourses of contemporary art and culture, both within Canada and globally.
3: Some call our bondage benign, far from fields of cane and cotton, absolving those who owned us, cleansing
0: history of our sweat and our tears. Born and based in San Juan, Marina Reyes Franco is curator at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Puerto Rico. She talks about the museum's powerful new partner and introduces the metaphoric exhibition she'll present this spring. In 2020, Reyes Franco took the time to support artist friend Sofia Gaisa Moriente in her creation of a new film. Sited on the southwest coast of Puerto Rico, Celaje is an elegy to the death of the Puerto Rican colonial project and the sedimentation of disasters on the island.
4: The hurricane and then earthquakes and the pandemic, like everything is just compounded. There was this whole expansion of our off-site commissions program, which is really about engaging with community and having them reflected in the contents of the collection. We started doing more things online like everybody else.
0: Big Tech has become a transformative partner we started working with
4: Google around October 2019. And it's been a really great partnership because it actually relates to tourism as well. They realized that the way that the country was being marketed, that Puerto Rico was being sold, and the images that were being broadcast everywhere were kind of the same, you know, like <laughs> people dancing, sun, sea and sand. So I think that this is something that can cast a light on the vast amount of like cultural richness that is Puerto Rico. Our collections, what's in storage, what can and can't be shown all the time because of money, because of space. Next month the Google art camera is coming to the museum. We're going to document a bunch of other works. People are going to be able to do that, like mega zoom in to different uh, paintings. We commissioned a couple of online exhibitions that are only for the platform, but we're also sharing other exhibitions as they happen. Yeah, I mean, it's been very important because the museum itself is in a transition, like a website transition, a new domain name, a new like brand identity. Our partnership with Google has enabled us to not lose contact with people or like, actually engage other audiences that we were never able to reach before because our online presence was like, sorely lacking.
0: What's your vision for how you're going to engage in 2021? In early
4: April, I'm going to have a show. It's called El Momento del Yagrumo. It's like the moment of the Yagrumo. And Yagrumo is a plant that germinates really quickly after bigger trees fall, after storms. It's a metaphor for how we can trick ourselves into thinking that just because you see things green that means that things are great and back to normal. Actually, these plants might contribute to tropical forests going from being basically lungs that produce oxygen to being net emitters of carbon dioxide, just because of the rapid succession of storms and the decomposition of organic material. This is the perfect metaphor for how we sometimes think that everything is about resilience and that we are back from whatever happened with Maria, like that's in the past. And no, it's like we are living through a very challenging environmental moment that a lot of people don't want to understand because it goes against their economic interests. And we can't add fuel to that fire with our happy thoughts. So the show is gonna focus on rights of nature, Resistance and sovereignty movements, especially in the Caribbean and parts of Central and South America.
0: Water channels, fountains, roses, and pools are elemental to the legendary Persian garden. Iranian-American artist Bahar Bahani has been investigating the garden's histories for years. In 2019, she created her first garden-inspired public art project at Wave Hill in the Bronx. In 2021, the artist aims to break ground on a purposeful Persian garden in Manhattan.
3: We get ourselves excited about the new year, not because everything gets new, because we get new tools to resist, survive and thrive. That's what I think it is. For the last week, the things that happened here in America Okay, it's an attempted coup in the capital. As an Iranian from the generation of revolution in Iran, when I'm sitting as an Iranian-American now, it really takes you back to the coup in 1953 that happened in Iran. The coup was for oil industry. The prime minister of Iran, democratically elected, was the first one that wanted to nationalize oil. And Americans and British, they felt threat. And what they did, they beautifully orchestrated a military coup. So the things that's happening for the last year, you know, in terms of Black Lives Matter, economy, the virus itself, the climate change, all these environmental injustices, Might be sometimes surprising or new for some people, but I always think for other people in the world, they're not new things. And people in these situations, they knew how to resist, how to fight back, and how to make the horizons more
0: expansive. You are focused on the legendary Persian Garden that is actually a site of political intrigue.
3: It's interesting that when we say Persian gardens, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, is a beautiful, lush place. It's an oasis. You even just hear the sound of the water, the roses. And it is true, but at the same time, there is some other untold stories and histories. Whenever The Americans, the top politicians, the cultural ministers, and the programmers, whenever they wanted to establish some sort of relationship with the regime in Iran, they bring up the subject of Persian gardens. And you know that when they bring up this subject, that means they want to negotiate in a beautiful and smooth way. And that's really fascinating for me my hope, is that this is not just a beautiful garden, but the beauty is an instigator and it's an inviting point. I call it Garden of Resistance. I love that if other artists, other thinkers, researchers, social activists, they come together in this garden, either planting something or gathering together or performing or having... Conversations, casual or formal discussions. When people come in, all together, it gives you some other stories about uh, the gardens, the lands, the water, uh, the extraction, and the colonialism, and is connecting it to our current climate.
0: New York-based artist Mary Mattingly has always been concerned with sustainability, creating lyric environments that meet the basic needs of water, food, and shelter. Her latest project concerns the invisible infrastructure of public water in the city she calls home. Mattingly is diving deep, her urban case study exposes inequities that limit access to clean drinking water everywhere. Public water is
5: an important topic because as more and more water around the world becomes privatized, there's a lack of access to clean water that you can see very clearly here in the United States. So we approached it by talking about New York City's watershed because it is a public system and We wanted to explore it in order to try to tell some of the complications about its history and also get a read on how this could be possible potentially in other places, what could make it a better and more just system.
0: What's the dream for how it will be realized in real life? We're both really hoping to uh, launch
5: a performance alongside of a sphere that acts like a core sample that cleans water you know, in the same way that land cleans water. Rain hits the sculpture, it runs through the sculpture, and then at the bottom you can drink the fresh water. People from the watershed, so people from upstate New York in the watershed areas of the Delaware and the Catskill and the Croton watersheds would tell their story while serving water to passersby in New York City, really making that relationship very direct of people who are caring for the watershed and people who have access to it. The project really, I think, started out being about those, those relationships, exploring them as really these life partnerships that are unseen. But coronavirus happened and, and everything changed. We were planning to launch the project in April of 2020. In March, we knew that it would be postponed because of coronavirus. And we're trying to determine whether it was the right time to launch the project at all. I think with a massive public health crisis and a substantial economic crisis, and also with the death of George Floyd, we were trying to consider all of those things together and talk about an underlying public water crisis and how essential it is to link things that may well seem unlinked. When Detroit became national news for not having clean water in a time where the news was telling us to keep our hands washed, it was really maybe because of things like that and we knew that we had to continue with the project.
0: Early 2020, found Los Angeles-based artist Andrea Bowers Joining other women to read and record the poem, This Earth by Susan Griffin. As I go into
6: her, she pierces my heart.
0: As I penetrate further, she
6: unveils
1: me. When I have reached her center, I am weeping openly. I have known her all
2: my life, yet she
1: reveals
0: stories to me. And these stories are revelations and I am transformed. Studying the spiritual origins of ecofeminism was among her solitary pursuits last year. When COVID slowed her activist projects, Bowers turned to re-examine how and why she makes art.
6: I was listening to all of these podcasts about ecofeminism. I was really interested in looking at contemporary movements, but I thought, my gosh, I have to understand the history of ecofeminism. We made this video with a bunch of women and we had all of these artists and activists reading sentences from this text and we put it all together. Her renewal washes over me endlessly. Her wounds caress me. I mean, what I love about these ecofeminists, you know, they come from the 70s and 80s, but they're still working now. A lot of these women are in their 80s. The texts seem kind of very spiritual, and they are, but they're also can be very intense and hard-hitting and politically aggressive. I've had to re-question all my preconceptions about this type of feminist spirituality. I was having an outdoor fire in my fire pit last night with two incredible women in the arts, and we were talking about what a historic moment this is. Emotionally and psychologically, it's so intense that you can't even, you know, understand it. The process of really decolonizing our institutions is important, but stressful. The vile and anger of the Trump administration had affected all of us in different ways. And then the seclusion, whether you're single or you're in a couple or you're in a family, everybody has different issues. It's not easy for anybody. I've kept the studio running, which I've been very lucky to do, but it has to go much slower and we're all spread out.
0: Andrea Bowers experienced profound personal loss last year.
6: My dad was really sick through this whole thing with cancer. The hospital was like, he's not going to make it we can't heal him. He's going to die. So we managed to get him home. We didn't even have time to mourn. All of us came down with COVID. So then I spent the next two and a half weeks with my stepmom and my brother going through COVID together. I'm back now. I feel really healthy and I'm making work, but it's really made me realize how much I always thought the craft was a tool to push the politics. But I now realize that the craft, both because of the anger, like the anger on social media, the cancel culture, the anger from the president, the emotional stress that we're all going through, that craft is something more. It's actually like, for me, it's comforting. It's sustaining. It's healing. I didn't believe in craft or aesthetic in that way. And that's a huge shift for me, along with one of the things I could do was read and study about these eco-feminists.
1: We are stunned by this beauty, and I do not forget what she is to me, what I am to her.
0: These curators and artists voice the complexities of our time, offering a glimpse into the possibility of creative growth in the face of overwhelming challenges. Future Fresh Art episodes will delve into their individual awakenings. If you like what you're hearing, please take a few minutes to rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you go to listen the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, and listeners like you, make Fresh Art International possible. Visit our site to learn more and explore the podcast archive we've been building since 2011. While you're there, Sign up for our latest news and give a donation to support these stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.